This is Rachel. And this is Danielle. In Convocation With is dedicated to highlighting the journey of Berea College alumni and friends. Follow along with us as we interview members of the 2012 Berea alumni class to learn more about their time in the bubble and beyond. And this is In Convocation With. Well, welcome to In Convocation With, Kat. We're so excited to have you today. Kat Moses works as the administrative assistant at the Bell Hooks Center and in the Women's, Gender, and Sexuality Studies Department at Berea College. She is a 2012 graduate of the WGS program and obtained a master's in public administration from Murray State University in 2020. Kat currently resides in Somerset with her wife and a brood of fur babies, where she serves as the president of the board of directors for PFLAG Somerset, as well as Watershed Arts Alliance, and as the lead organizer of Chill Out and Proud Somerset, the community's annual pride event. So welcome to our show today, Kat. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited (laughs) to see both of you. You too. And so I know you said in the email you had been preparing for this chill out and proud Somerset community event. Would you want to tell us about that? What you've been into? Oh, I would love to. Um, So back in 2019, um, our community struck down a fairness ordinance. Um, The city council voted against it 11 to 1. And our community really felt the impact. Uh, A lot of folks felt Um, that that decision came as a result of a lack of visibility. Um, A lot of people didn't think that there were queer people in Somerset, um, which is not true. There's a a vibrant queer community here. Um, So some folks were talking on Facebook and I'm kind of a action person. (laughs) We'll talk a little bit, but then I'm like, all right, what can we do? What's, what are our next steps, right? Um, So I met at the library with a couple of folks who were interested in talking about starting a pride. Uh, it was five or six of us. We thought a band, maybe a couple of vendors in a food truck, real small scale. Um, you know, we sent, we sent each other away, like call your friends for the next meeting. Let's see what happens. Um, and when I walked into the room, there were 45 people there and people came with money in hand and a list of resources and ideas and bands volunteered to play. And it really kind of felt like it was out of my hands. Um, it was, it was a universe sort of deal. Um, Things just happened really quickly and it turned into uh, a massive event that was met with a lot of protest. Um, A local radio station actually hired a hate group to come in and do a training prior to the the sort of counter protest to the Pride event. Uh, They hired street preachers out of Knoxville who used megaphones to scream in attendees' faces all day. Um, But it truthfully didn't take away from the event um, in any way, shape or form, people were so proud and felt a sense of belonging, I think, for the first time. Um, so, yeah, they, they tried to interrupt and couldn't. Um, so now we've had a couple of years of virtual prides as a result of COVID. And we're back bigger and better than ever in a, in a new venue at Somerset Community College. And we're doing Halloween themed pride. So we've got four bands lined up, six drag performers, uh, almost 60 vendors, uh, local and regional. Folks from all over the state are going to be joining us. 
Um, it's going to be a really good time. That's happening October 22nd from 1 to 7 p.m. at Festival Field at Somerset Community College. Uh, tickets are $5 if anybody's interested. Um, there's a lot happening all over the state that day. Um, I, I tell everyone um, Kentucky's actually gayer in October than in June. Um, but yeah, I, I hope folks can come out and, uh, and join us, see what it's about. Oh my gosh, that's absolutely incredible. Like, <laughs> putting on events is such hard work. And so kudos to you for you not only are putting on an event, but you are putting on an event that clearly like not everyone feels the same way as we do. And holy buckets, good job. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank engaging you. your community. Is Somerset your hometown cat? Yes. Born and raised here. Aside from my time at Berea um, and like a couple of months in Cincinnati, which sent me running back home. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I live. <laughs> which, City living uh, was not for me. I tried. <laughs> I, you get used to it. You really do. I've been here since I graduated from Berea. So like 10 years, which is wild to think about. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's really beautiful, Kat. And the just see what you're bringing to the community and how you're giving, you know, this platform, such wonderful representation. I mean, I'm proud of you. That's, that's really fantastic. Thank you. It, it's truthfully my heart's work that I never expected. If you had asked me 10 years ago, if this is what I would be doing with my time and energy. Um, first, I would have told you that you were crazy and pride would never happen in Somerset. Um, never would there be rainbow flags, you know, hanging proudly here and folks to feel safe. But it's the impact that it has had already um, just on especially youth yeah. having a sense that they're not alone. You know, yeah. I grew up here and I didn't have any LGBTQ visibility in my life um, that was any kind of semblance of representative of normal living, you know, like someone who was married and had a job and had kids and had everyday life like every other human. And so I'm trying to be who I needed when I was younger and give them an opportunity, even if their home isn't the safest place for them to be who they are, mm -hmm. to know that there's light at the end of the tunnel and that there are people in their community that are cheering them on yes. and hear when they're ready to talk and hear with support when they need it. Yes. Fabulous. So speaking of 10 years ago, <laughs> how I know. Did, actually more like 14, um, taking it back to how did you learn about Berea? Oh, interestingly, Berea was sort of my grandmother's dream for my mom. Um, who was actually from Cincinnati, <laughs> surprisingly, uh, born and raised in Batavia. And uh, my grandmother had a lot of kids. There were six of them. So they qualified for Berea. And it was my grandmother's hope that mom would kind of fall into that artsy community. My mother was very creative. Um, but my mom met my dad, who was a rock and roller. <laughs> and, then, and then they had me and she chased different dreams and so they kind of shifted that goal. Oh, hey, wait, here's another opportunity. And they always, I think, knew of, um, of Berea's history, uh, its revolutionary impact, and just what it does for, for students who do work hard and, and do show promise, but don't have the resources to, to chase those opportunities. Yeah. 
And so now looking back, you know, 14 years ago when you made the decision to choose Berea College to present day where you are still choosing to be a part of the Berea College community, like how has that like process been for you to be in the position working with and for the college now? It's felt really full circle, strangely enough. Um, I spent a lot of time looking for an opportunity at Berea Mm -hmm. and nothing ever sort of feeling right or or perfect or the thing. Um, And I think when, when this position in particular opened up, I don't know, I felt it in my soul. (laughs) I was like, oh, this is it. This is the opportunity. Um, because they were opening a space that was specifically targeting LGBTQ students and students of color, underrepresented, underserved individuals, um, and kind of talking about what it means to marry those two things and to marry that Mm -hmm. with gender um, and and what that means for our great commitments, you know, our our commitment Mm -hmm. to racial equity and and to gender equity. Um, And oddly enough, there are some projects that I started as a student that I've kind of been able to get involved in and and see the final result of. Uh, As an SGA representative, um, we put together a proposal for co-educational living that the faculty immediately voted down. Um, But I served on an ad hoc committee just this spring um, to finalize an updated visitation and gender inclusive housing policy, which kind of gives students the choice to um, decide what kind of living arrangement that they want. And it, it was full circle is really That's how what I'm felt. talking about. Kat. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. It's been incredible. That and is. the students are, I don't know, as amazing as my classmates were, they just continue to, to awe and inspire me and teach me things every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. So, so in your time at Berea, I mean, you kind of talked about SGA, um, but what were some of the other potential like organizations uh, and labor assignments that you did in your time at Berea that helped um, continue you on your path to where you are now? Well, I worked as an administrative assistant in the very office that I run now. Um, and interestingly, a lot of the systems are identical. If you ever mm-hmm. filed a check request in 2008, it's the same form. It's the same form. Your swipe for the printers, it's the same device. Those things have not been upgraded. So a lot of it felt like riding a bike, just remembering how. Um, and so that's been kind of funny. <laughs> uh, working in the music department office, a lot of that has been reflected and and I think given me an upper hand in kind of learning these things again 10 years later. Um, but also I think I worked in residence life. And serving as an RA and a hall monitor really gave me insight into what students experience outside of the classroom um, and what they're dealing with and kind of carrying every day. And so I think that helps me really understand my labor students and the students who spend time in our space and and come to our programs um, about what their greater whole experience is at Berea. Um, You know, I was there, I was a labor student, I carried similar things. Um, So the compassion, I think, the perspective that I have um, as an alum and and that other employees who are alums have, I think is different from those who didn't attend Berea or haven't attended a work college and kind of understand the pressure 
um, that a lot of these students who came from lower income backgrounds were to succeed because there weren't really, there weren't other options for us if we didn't. Um, so I think that it really helps me connect with students. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, now with the Bell Hook Center, the pandemic has kind of like blurred my timeline in the past few years. Did it officially open like a year, two years ago, somewhere in there? Could you tell us more about the Bell Hook Center? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Bell Hook Center was launched in, uh, ooh, okay, we're in 2022 now, September, <laughs> uh, September of 2021. Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, it is a space where we talk about the intersections of identity Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard from students that sometimes when there are spaces for certain groups, um, it doesn't mean everyone in that group. And mm-hmm. so we're really trying to work to educate ourselves uh, as staff and faculty um, and kind of take notes from the students on what their needs on campus are and where they're feeling senses of belonging and, and senses of safety, um, senses of being understood. Um and I think Dr. Malaklu, uh, who is the director of the Bell Hook Center, was a close personal friend of Bell Hooks. And um, Bell kind of teased her and was like, oh, you're so cosmopolitan. How will the students connect? Um, but, but Shadi has really had this vision um, of creating a space that's really hospitable and comfortable. Mm-hmm. We have these various levels of seating. Uh, there are bean bags, there are video game chairs, there are meditation stools, um, there's couches, there are blankets and pillows. So like napping is encouraged. You know, it's an opportunity for students to kind of enter a space and shake off the expectations of the day and mm-hmm. seek some respite from the stress of college. Um, you know, some of them come in and take a nap and they time themselves so that they get up and do some homework and then they'll set a timer and take another nap throughout the day. We have a fully functional kitchen as the WGS office always has. So, you know, we're a source of coffee and tea and, you know, that starts a conversation. So students from different majors, different departments wind up in the space together, sipping coffee and having really incredible conversations about things that are happening on campus and off campus. And it's turned into kind of a a space to think and build community, much like what Bell wanted for Berea as a whole and what I think she tried to foster with the Bell Hooks Institute. So I, Rachel and I are both in that kind of like education space, um, being teachers. And so I am just curious you've partnered with or helped provided to the physical education department or to the swim test to make things more inclusive um, or for even education majors. I'd love to hear your input on those topics. Well, I think uh, specifically last year, we coordinated with um, the dance department and brought Katie Piles of Ballets from New York. It was a, a, an all queer ballet studio. And Katie sort of teaches ballet beyond the binary because ballet is an art form that has always been very gendered Mm -hmm. um the roles the costumes and kind of the dynamics of the characters and so um, having them come in and bring you know wgs students and dance students together in a space and kind of explore what that means and watch some footage of ballets that kind of 
blurs the lines of gender and and the lines of even the conformity of how dance is trained. Um, it was kind of incredible to see it's something that I've never seen in, in mm-hmm. any way in media. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was a really unique opportunity for us to collaborate with a department that I, I think sometimes isn't seen as at odds, but not necessarily collaborative or conjoined. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really I really think that that's untrue for any department on campus. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm unsure about the swim test though. I'm curious. I haven't asked students about it. It has changed a little bit. It is no longer like part of their physical education class. It's like, you have to sign up for times by a certain deadline. Mm. Yeah. Some of those things have changed, but they haven't talked much about it. So I'm interested to know if there are, are there gender variances in, um, you know, how they do the test or if, if any of the students feel one way or the other. So do they not have to, just to clarify, they still have to take the test at some point to graduate. Okay, perfect. Yes. Okay. I was like, oh, I hope that doesn't go away. Oh no, they do. They do. And they still, I think they take now more, um, physical education and health courses than we did. Um, oh, health and it's now called health and human performance. So it's kind of been broader and broadened. They offer more class options. Okay. I think students are able to specialize a little bit more specifically. Okay. I was going to ask you, Kat. Um, so do you all bring in like guest speakers, guest lectures to the Bell Hook Center? And do you have any coming up for homecoming weekend? Any events going on that weekend? Interestingly, we do not have any that weekend, but it's because the National Women's Studies Association Conference is the same weekend. So all of our seniors and most of our faculty will actually be in Minneapolis. No! (laughs) No! Yes, yes. I will be sort of the lone representation, sneaking around homecoming, catching up with folks. Um, But I hope to be able to kind of show some people the space. Um, The space itself has a display that has information about sort of the evolution of the women's gender and sexuality studies department, gender equity at Berea College, and then kind of an homage to Belle's legacy um, and what her impact was specifically for Berea and for Kentucky. Um, but yes, we, if you recall peanut butter and gender. Yes, I was just getting ready to ask. Do you all still have that? Yes, it has just oh taken gosh. on a new name. Um, it is now okay. called Gender Talk. Gender talk. And we still serve lunch. Um, oh. We typically bring some sort of scholar or, or professional in some feminist field. Um, yes. Coming up this month, we have uh, a trans speaker who's going to talk a little bit about um, masculinity and what that means for spirituality. Mm. Um, I think it's called trans manifestations, I think is what the, oh. the title of their talk is. Um and that's a monthly occurrence. Uh, most of our programming happens on Wednesdays at noon from 12 to one during the lunch hour. We also provide uh, a, a variety of other programming like colloquium, which is a WGS program versus a bell hook center mm-hmm. program. And it tries to uh, bring in a variety of different professionals who implement feminist praxis and ideology in their workplace but maybe isn't viewed as a traditional feminist space or a feminist career. Mm. Um, we recently had Tony Crocciolo of the Bria Food Bank. Mm. Uh, we've also had um, Angela Anderson, 
who's the wife of one of our deans, who is sort of a feminist entrepreneur and life coach. This year, we've had representatives from uh, Kentuckians of the Commonwealth. And next semester, we have a workshop slated with Apple Shop to come in and talk a little bit about what it means to do media archiving. Um, we also offer a student activist series monthly, which provides mm -hmm. a platform for students who are doing activist work either on or, or off campus to come in and sort of present what their techniques and experiences have been. Um, and next week coming up, we actually have our Pride series, or this week, no, yeah, today is Monday. This week, uh, tomorrow is National Coming Out Day. So we're having coming oh. out day festivities and we have a live band. Belba and the Sleeves will be joining us. And we're going to have rainbow cupcakes and pizza and pronoun pins in the quad. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Very we cool. I think we had 25 programs this semester. So we stay busy. That is outstanding. Yeah. I um, mean, I'm like smiling from ear to ear. I know <laughs> no one can see me, but I'm smiling. <laughs> That, oh, that just warms my heart. <laughs> it's everything I think we wanted as, um, as women's and gender studies majors. We wanted a space to collect. And then we wanted expanded programming that, yeah. that kind of reached outside of the threshold of white feminism, right? This concept mm -hmm. of, of centering the voices that were left out of a lot of the conversations. And I think that um, we've really done something with our programming that speaks to that. And, and I think that's apparent by the students who attend and by the turnouts that we have um, and the students that feel represented in our speakers. Oh, I, love that. I love that so much. Well, speaking of different experiences that had an impact on you, of course, we are called in convocation with and thinking back to your time at Berea College, was there a convocation that stood out to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Michelle Alexander, the new Jim Crow. Yeah. Yeah. We read it in Jill Bauma's class and uh, leading up to the convocation. So to, to read about the prison industrial complex and then to have her come and talk about her book um, was really powerful for me. A lot of my understanding of, of um, anti-racism work and the prison industrial complex stems from that coursework, my WGS mm -hmm. coursework and sociology coursework. Um, so that was, it was really impactful for me. And I think um, the book itself was really eye-opening for my understanding. That's awesome. Like, I love that. I, I do want to bring it back to my question that got cut out earlier. Um, with the education department in general, have you partnered to do any, like any kind of classes specifically for education majors um, or just like uh, coming into the classroom um, mm. for a session just to, to help kind of educate future educators that will be bringing up these young minds? Because um, I know that's just such... Yeah a big conversation in, in the U.S. right now. And so I just wanted to hear, hear what might be happening in that regard. Well, I know specifically, um, especially in general education, but also in the education department, uh, we, unbeknownst to us, a lot of our faculty use bell hooks in their classroom um, because Bell wrote from teaching to transgress. Mm. Um, and that I think has been really impactful specifically for Berea faculty and because of their proximity to Bell and, and, you know, we have our papers uh, archived at the college. And so having that access and being able to pour over her diaries and understand how she saw education and how she saw um, the classroom sort of is, as a space for hope 
Um, you know, Bell teaches us that love is the way and justice is the destination. And I think that education is a big piece of that. It was for her uh, and it is for Berea College, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the uh, AAUW credit, which was our, I can't remember, we had to take like an AFR course or women's studies course as a perspective that's yes. still required of all students. Perfect. So students are still getting a different perspective, a different um, critical analysis of the things that they've been brought up to understand. And mm-hmm. I think that, that that remains impactful. I think it was for us as students and it, it remains so for them. And I also see a variety of students who take further WGS classes now. Um, lots mm-hmm. of education students attend our colloquium events. Um, Awesome. And, it, and it's interesting to find them in like queer and trans studies. We now have a disability studies and it's discontents. Mm, uh, yeah. That is awesome. And so oh, those things so cross fancy. right into education, even physical education. Right. And yes. so I think that those classes, now that we've sort of uh, redeveloped our curriculum, um, we just had a new curriculum plan passed um, and it's kind of expanded the gaps that I think, um, have been existed in women's studies across the board as a discipline. And so I, we're definitely seeing um, students from other places like education joining those types of classes so that they get that perspective and have that understanding when they enter the workforce. I think that is so incredibly impactful. I just came back from the state health and physical education conference. And um, I know that that is something that our state is really like, trying to be more collaborative and um, more insightful into that because it is such a big topic of conversation of of just the health class in general. I mean, a lot of people think that there's, uh, um, that educators are trying to influence students one way or another. Um, And so it's just this big, big messy conversation sometimes. And so I think that it's so great that we're able to provide um, some education right at the the jump off point. So they're not going into careers in health and physical education and going, Oh, you know, I, I haven't encountered this yet. And so I'm really, I'm really grateful to hear that Berea is, is so focused on that. And it's really a big conversation among our students, Um, disability access accommodations just within the college, but in our world as well. Um, it's something that's fresh on their minds in a way that I don't remember us discussing amongst ourselves. Um, I think more students are experiencing disability and are accessing accommodations, which is great. And we're seeing them thrive in the classroom in ways that I don't think they were able to before. Absolutely. That's wonderful. That's a beautiful thing and shows how much they are honoring the great commitments and continuing to evolve and progress in a way that serves the student body and the faculty there at Berea. Uh, Listening to the students' reflections on that too. Absolutely. Their feedback is paramount to how we continue to move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Bell Hooks book that you like reference or use in your day-to-day life? Feminism is for everybody is my go-to. Um, and I think the reason that Belle was successful at what she did was because she used such accessible language. Mm-hmm. When you read Belle, you don't 
think you're reading theory. You don't think you're reading praxis or pedagogy. It's not Judith Butler, <laughs> you know, there's, um, there's a stark difference. Um, yeah. And that accessibility. And, and I, we read it in my introduction to women's studies class, which had a variety of different majors. They weren't students who had an understanding of feminism necessarily. And I think Bell brings that to us in a really compassionate and loving way. Yeah. Bell never really positions victims or positions oppressors. She sort of views the necessity of a collective effort to ending what she calls the cap- the white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. Um, you know, we've <laughs> added heteronormative cisgender to that. Um, and, and she sees that it takes all of us and she believes in the power of, of community and love. Uh, again, love is the way and justice is the destination. That, that I think is the, the mantra that I sort of embody as an activist now. I think when I was learning how to organize as a college student, I was so angry about injustice that that mm-hmm led me in my decision-making and how I organized, how I involved myself. Um, but growing older has taught me that the best way that I can create change is to love as hard as I can in my corner of the world and yeah. do what I can to create change and service support and uh, reflect my value system without expectation of anybody else. And so that's sort of what leads me now and I think Bell has, has really informed a lot of that, and especially my work in the center. Oh, man, that is good. Like, leading with love is, I, I feel like I was in the same boat as you. I was angry about a lot of injustice, and I led with a lot of anger, and it did not get me the results that I wanted. Um, and coming in with that love, um, man, that's so good. I wish that I had heard this exact podcast like when you were a student (laughs) absolutely Jill Jill Bauma once said you'll never affect change walking into every room with your fists up in the air and your voice raised you have to meet people where they're at and I think that those of us who can kind of sit in uncomfortable conversations Mm -hmm. and educate folks who have a genuine interest to learn um, I think that 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 little bit of love and that little bit of connection can go a long way I've I've witnessed it I think so too. So looking back at when you were a student, did you have like a favorite memory or experience that you had? Well, we went to Occupy. <laughs> yes. Back in 2011. On Wall Street. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think that that was a really incredible experience for me. Um, you know, we had college funding when we had the trip approved and they sort of withdrew that support last minute and the students came together and raised enough money to take themselves and we did and it was I think eye-opening for us to see you know the amount of people who wanted to know the Berea story and the story of of just you know Appalachian students who felt passionate about classism and racism and sexism Mm -hmm. Um, but to also connect with people from different cultures and different backgrounds and hear their stories and their understandings of while they were there. It was really um, the community that existed at Occupy in that park that I think was monumental for me. 
they had a functioning library and kitchen and workout area and shower and restroom area. And it was like a, a self-sustaining community. Um, and they took such incredible care of one another. And so I, I kind of brought that back with me. Um, it, yeah, it changed my perspective on a lot of things. Well, we do have four minutes left. So I think we should do at least like a couple rapid fire questions and I'm talking real rapid. <laughs> okay, all right. Are you okay. ready? Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay, name three professors that really impacted your time. Ooh, um, Shauna Chamez, Jill Bauma, and Courtney Brooks. Fantastic. It was actually a collegium that taught a class. Disclaimer. Woo, okay. Next one. And then Rachel goes, okay, what was your favorite mealtime at Berea? Oh, brunch. <laughs> Weekend oh. breakfast. Weekend oh, yes. breakfast late. <laughs> oh, and the Shirley's omelets. Oh, Miss oh. Shirley's omelets. That's so the one. I think everyone's talked about that. <laughs> um, and speaking of Courtney Brooks, Kat and I did the vagina monologues together, which was one of my favorite experiences at Berea College. I just had to get that in there since you mentioned Courtney. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we did a monologue together, didn't yes. we? Is that right? We did the introduction together, I think, yes. year two, maybe. Yes. Yeah. I broke my ankle after that show on campus. <laughs> Oh, no, truthfully, oh, no. to break a leg. It was, oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was your favorite season at Berea? Oh, fall. Endlessly. Of course. Do you remember the ginkgo tree by the science building? Yes. I lived, I waited and lived for that to be in full bloom and then to watch them fall. Yes, <laughs> and, and her sweater today, ladies. Oh, yes. Everyone I'm on the call. It is mustard yellow. It is beautiful. A pumpkins galore. It is good. Halloween setup. I love it. Okay. Another rapid fire question. Cause I think we have time. Uh, favorite place to study. Oh, the sunroom in Emory on oh. that big couch. It was the perfect nap spot too. Not enough people knew about it. So it was always empty. You're 100% right. That was a really good spot, but now it's the bell hook center. If the students oh. need to know. The bean bags. I'm telling you, just come to lay on the bean bags. I or can't wait stuff. to come. Like we're coming during homecoming weekend. You will yeah. see us there. I, I can't wait. I'm a huge yeah. fan of naps. So I will. And I also have two young children, so I will probably be there. <laughs> yes. Bet. Bet. And we have wool blankets. So you'll get, you'll get Oh, make you some hot chocolate. Yeah. Yes. Down for the couch. leaves and oh, it's going to be beautiful. Magical. So we do have to close this out with a proper send off. So that way we don't get cut off. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing during your busiest time of year to take time and speak with us. Um, we, we so appreciate it. We are so grateful for the work you're doing at Berea college cat. And I, for one, just like I said, it warms my heart to know that students on campus are receiving a person, a role model whom they can feel comfortable with and come to and really connect with and, you know, share that experience that we need it at the time. And, and I know we spoke of so many wonderful people who provided that, but I know you are doing that now for them. And that makes me really happy and proud and just 
all all the feelings, Kat. So thank you for joining us and talking about your time at Berea uh, when we were students and now working for the college. Really well, special. Thank you, all. Thank you so for real, having me. Absolutely. <laughs> real quick, Kat, tell everybody where they can find more of you um, and your event date. Oh, follow us at P Flag Somerset on Facebook and chill out in proud Somerset. You can also find us at pflagsomerset.org as well as Watershed Arts Alliance. I didn't talk about them, but shouting out. Uh, we'll be back better than ever, rebranded and beautiful in January. Yeah, look for them in the new year. Awesome. Okay, Kat, thank you so much. Have thank a great you so much. Thank you all. You too. Bye. Bye.